Nico, you ever done something so bad, rather than deal with it, you just went to straight to bed? <laughs> straight to the beheaded scene. <laughs> straight to the bed. Oh, oh man. Coming up, where we find out how to get your family's much wealth and many other promised things. You just have to... Uh, Kill everybody else in your family first or something. I don't know. Mark, what are we watching this week? Movie Tales. I'll have what she's having. Hosted by Mark, Jeff, and Nick. Round up the usual suspect. Three lifelong friends who all dropped out of film school because they all figured out they loved watching movies more than making them. Are you not entertained? Gretchen, stop trying to make fetch happen. These cinephiles review and reveal widely unknown factoids, lore, myths, trivia, and cultural impact of the movie. Mostly funny. I'm your huckleberry. Sometimes serious. I'm gonna make him an awfully gun with you. Definitely interesting insight into the best movies we only thought we knew. He's looking at you, kid. Terrify me. We're going back to 2018 and we're watching Hereditary. My goodness, this movie is bananas, for lack of a better word. And we're going simple description this week, boys. IMDb, I found a one-sentence recap from an anonymous source that said, A grieving family is haunted by tragic and disturbing occurrences. I felt like less is more, because the other descriptions, they just went into way too much detail, and I just didn't want to go down that lane. I just, I'm still digesting this movie, obviously. <laughs> and, and with that being said... Uh, you 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 know that this is my first time seeing this, and this it's was so fun crazy. for you because uh, you wanted to know my reaction, and I believe I texted you. What did I text you, Jeff? You said. I said, "God, God damn it, Han." Damn it, Han. <laughs> I think the same thing you texted me after uh, I told you to see Midsummer. I think we asked his other We did Midsummer. We chose it. Yeah, this is. Um, this is a consistent, consistent it's becoming a Halloween tradition. Consistent reaction for for Ari Aster in his movies, but uh, this was a really good movie. It was really, it's a really fucked up movie, and we're gonna get into it. But uh, it was good. It was, it was really good. So I'm glad we chose it. I'm glad I finally got to see it. You guys both saw it when it came out. Nico, you saw it. Nico's here, by the way. Holy cow, he's in the garage recording studio with us, Jeff. We're uh, he he drove into Vegas. Actually, flew into you guys Vegas. Guys, garage band in it, or are you in the oh, bedroom? Yeah. Oh no, garage band in it yeah. for sure. Wayne's World couch minus the couch <laughs> and the recording studio in the background. We're just you know it's just a two man operation here. Nico, you saw this in the theater, didn't you? I did. I went by myself as well. You saw this by yourself. I did, but it was a full theater. Oh my! Even and more, I had oh such high God. expectations because I went to the theater uh, Alamo Draft House. And they were advertising the hell out of this because it was A24, which is a company I respect greatly. So that's part of the reason I was looking forward to it. And I really felt like this was two movies in one. The first half was about family tragedy. The second half was about witches. <laughs> uh, I was disappointed, though. This movie deeply disturbed me, especially the killing of the daughter. And I'm just not sure I got anything out of it or felt any bit enlightened or taught about anything. And I... I didn't enjoy it, I didn't ever want to see it again. So when this came up, I wasn't looking forward to it, but I knew it was a podcast that we had to do eventually at some point, because it is important. I just didn't enjoy the process of it. 
this time or the first time. So the rewatch was just as much of a struggle? Yeah. Oh! <laughs> this is You're interesting. Welcome. You're welcome, <laughs> Jeff. It's like Jeff welcome. says, he's still uppercutting you even though you know, you know it's coming. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, every time you watch an Ari, you, I mean, you know, you know what's coming, and he still manages to punch you in the damn face. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, can I jump right in, Mark? Oh yeah, go ahead. So I as well saw this movie by myself. Uh, my my wife does not like horror movies, and she might have decapitated me if I made her sit through this movie. Wow. Um, <laughs> true story. Uh, and I I'll never forget. So I went to a theater by myself. And it was about a quarter full. So there was enough people that it was a shared experience. But it was a late night showing. And it was kind of eerie because it was partially empty. So like you just felt the silences and the anxiety the entire time. And um, in the middle of the film, when the sister dies, the famous decapitation scene. um, That thing hit me like a gut punch. I That is probably... That affected me more than any single scene of any movie I've ever seen. Wow. Like, I was not okay for like the next five minutes. In fact, I remember in the theater, not everybody, but multiple people walked out. They all, I'm pretty sure they all came back, but they had to like walk out for a minute. And yeah. I almost had to walk out just to like gather myself. You'll be um, I, it just, you didn't see it coming. And then just, it really, one thing that Ari Aster does really well is he finds the whore in reality in everyday life. There's a lot of supernatural, a lot of stuff going on in this film. But probably the single most horrific thing and terrifying thing, for me at least, was something that literally could, if somebody had their head out of the window and wasn't paying attention and somebody had to swerve off the side of the road easily could hit a pole and that could like that's something that and I I think that's what hit me so hard was that was not like you can usually distance yourselves in horror movies and be like okay that's not real but that scene felt so damn real to me oh it's it's because it was real I mean like just it was and it was so like did you read about how they filmed it and with the uh, puppet and the yeah (laughs) yeah and the, but then the take they got was just so brutally like perfect that they had to like they had to cut a lot of it out because it was because too realistic. It was yep. so it was so realistic. They, you barely see what you see, and it's too much. That's what's crazy about that I, scene. I it, picture it in a psycho like way where we thought Charlie was going to be a big character, and thirty minutes in, it's just like bam, did that inter- really just fucking happen? Interesting, you say that. Um, in an interview, uh, uh, Ari Aster when explaining this film. He calls that his psycho moment in this film. Uh, and he's a big fan of um, uh, of just film in general. And he, he likes like all movies. He actually never set out to be a horror director. But he said from the ages of 8 to 14, he devoured everything there was horror. And his favorite, or even if it was his favorite, but the one that affected him the worst was Carrie. He said for whatever... And he says, because it was a reason, because he walked out of that thing feeling no hope. And I was like, 
So it's Brian De Palma's fault that every one of his damn movies, we feel so hopeless at the end. <laughs> it was a good thing, though, right? Now exactly. he's the next M. Yeah. Night Shyamalan. He, it threw him. He very um, well could be. Yeah, and I mean, it just, he's well on his way, that's yeah. for sure. One last moment note about the, when I, my first scene of this was, it wasn't the, I loved it watching it again, but it wasn't the same. I really, I'm a big fan of horror movies, but I really believe horror movies are meant to be watched with an audience. Because you feel that sense of dread with the audience. Um, during the scares, you jump with them. And it just... We just get to hear their overreactions, too. It reminded me of, like, why going to the movies is a, sh- is a shared experience. And as theaters struggle more and more, I just hope that we are able to continue going to see films like this with a sh- and have shared experiences. Because I didn't even see it in cool. the theater, and and it still scared the bejesus out of me. Had part of it. We'll get oh, into that second time. Still, still scared we'll the crap out of me. What, um, do we? We all went. Mark, did you go? Oh yeah, yeah. Perfect. First time seeing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What worked for you, Mark? The feel. I mean, there's just the feel. The music. The the build up. Uh, this this building uncomfortableness. You're just sitting there for 90 minutes. Well, obviously you get the gut punch with the decapitation about 30, you know, 30, 40 minutes in. But after that, it's just this slow buildup that just, and the music just escalates everything. It makes this tension that you mentioned just so uncomfortable. And I think we were talking off pod and I said, you know, it just feels like nails on a chalkboard for like the whole movie until the final like 35 minutes to where things just, they just, you know, it just, they, he like flips the light switch and now you're just, it's, but it goes crazy and it goes to crazy town and you're just blown away good, good or bad. It just depends on where you sit, but there's, there's moments where you, I, I was genuinely just scared. I was like, Oh my God, they got me good with that one. <laughs> when the mom chases him, Oh my god! <laughs> and, uh, oh, and your yeah. mom chases him, and then she's banging her head on the attic door. So scary. That's, that's out of control. Scary for me. For like, me, I'm like, just like, oh my god. <laughs> for me, it was the subtle moments. What about like when he wakes up and his mom's like on top of him? Uh, <laughs> You're like, what is happening? Oh yeah. Well, and then the one where she's uh, in the corner, just chilling on the yep. ceiling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's. A, I mean, he, and none of that happens really until the final like. <laughs> Like thirty minutes, right. like final just, thirty minutes of this movie is, and you're just like, whoa! Just it's <laughs> just almost picked it up a notch, just like Midsummer when they have. I think feast, I already did a lot like, of drugs. The feast on right. at Midsummer, you're just like, oh my god! Because it's like his movies. It's like his movies. You're waiting for your drug tip to start throughout the fit, and then like all of a sudden, it just hits you all at once, and you're like, okay, the trip has arrived. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> For, for sure. I, 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 mean, I don't do drugs, but I can only imagine that is what it would be like. Um, yeah, and then Tony Collette. I mean, just overall, she's so good. Oh my god, she, she kills it in this thing. She, yeah, she's so good in this movie. Probably warranted an Oscar, like nom. To be honest, no. I'm not an Oscar, but at least a nomination. I don't think she got one though. No, I. Um, quick no, note. she didn't. When we went to Sundance like 20 years ago, I saw Tony Collette in person. Uh, sitting next to Forrest Whitaker. And that was so cool. I still remember to this day. And next to she Forrest, was too. That is cool. Mm-hmm. It's a good it's little meetup. Sundance. And this movie was filmed up in 
where Sundance was. Yeah. It was filmed in Utah. Park yeah. City, parts of it, absolutely. What? The birth of our little film triangle here. Yeah. That's <laughs> true. All we very all attended true. Sundance together. Um, this, is, this is true. The Sundance Nick, kids. What, what uh... <laughs> nice plug. Nice plug. Nick, I agree on Tony Collette. This will work. But I also think the young actors, too. Uh, Charlie and Peter. Yeah, the kid, Yeah, Alex Wolf is, in particular is, is Peter. He's great. Yeah. That scene where he just slams his face on the desk, that's another one where you're just like, whoa. Yeah. He reminds me of a like, young, he reminds me so much of Jake Gyllenhaal and Donnie Darko in this film. Yeah, like yeah, that. I can see that for and sure. For, for that scene you just mentioned, he tried to break his nose in actual reality. He offered to do that. He wanted to, yeah. The director said no. Just, yeah. So instead yeah. he dislocated his jaw. Yes, yeah, yeah. he fucked <laughs> up his jaw because he hit his jaw like on the edge, which they didn't prepare for. Right. I think... Um, what also worked was the preparation of this movie. Ari Aster wrote each character in detail two yep. years in advance before he even started writing this movie. Think about he that. Had every shot yeah. planned. He, he's crazy. Yeah. He basically does everybody's job before the movie starts yeah. and gives them like their notes and says, right. okay, yeah, I know you're the camera guy, but here I did everything for you. I know. Right, because he storyboarded it too. Yeah, I can't remember oh, yeah. who said it, but somebody that worked on this film said he was the most prepared director. This was the most prepared director they ever worked with. It was Tony Collette. Yeah. Which yeah. is amazing. I mean, and that that's amazing. Tony Collette's been on a lot of movies, and this is yeah. like his first major feature film. So yeah. well, I think there's good things in store with Ari Aster. Right. I think he has so, a promising Quick question career. before we get into what worked further with me. Who are you more excited to see a movie from right now in the horror genre? Jordan Peele or Ari Aster? Oh gosh, either. Can can we just be both? You have to I want to see both, moment. but I'm going to say Ari Aster. Ooh. Uh, I'm going to say Ari Aster too because as much as I love Get Out, I don't think I've loved anything else. Whereas this movie, I don't know, that's not to say I love this movie yeah. or Midsummer. <laughs> They're both definitely right. command my attention. You no, love them enough that you're going to see the next... Barely. God, you love him enough but, well, that it's become yeah. must-see. It's Ari Aster now become both. must-viewing for you. I'm in for both. And I'm in for the new Scream, which I just saw a trailer <laughs> for, too. Uh, okay. You know I'm in for that. I know you are. Glutton for punishment. Okay. Since we're all those. Speaking of that Scream trailer, when she says, I'm Sydney, whatever her last name is, of course I have a gun. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a cheese fest. That trailer's great. I can't wait. Oh, okay, so, so last thing about work was the music composition. I yeah, it's it. so, the music's so good, right? Yeah. It, so oh there was, there was 85 amazing. minutes of music of 127 in this movie. That's right. That and is. it was Colin Stetson is the composer's name. He considers the music one of the most important characters. It's and, masterful in this film. Yeah. It, it's great. Yeah. It, it's it's really, it is a character. But again, yeah. Ari Aster gave him direction on it, too. Exactly oh, of course. What he wanted it to he probably, like. yeah. he knew exactly what he wanted before. <laughs> he just wrote he, the yeah. score. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He just wrote the score before we told him to go compose it. All he did was, it was all about the interview process when he interviewed these candidates. You could just tell. Like, Colin, are you prepared to just do whatever I ask? It's like, yes? <laughs> okay, then it's you like get the job. It's like being on a team with LeBron. Huh? You're just going to do the plays he You're going to get a paycheck, but you're not going to have to. I'm, I, I've got this. <laughs> Don't worry, ball. I'll give you credit. Um, it's so true. For me, the tone and the theme. I really felt the theme of um, grief and mental illness was in a lot of ways one of the most terrifying aspects because if you take away the supernatural piece 
and you put yourself in that in char in um the in Peter or the father's position and they're just trapped in this family. Oh yeah, for sure. Of and you know that it works so well shit. because we've talked we talked off pod about it too that this was originally just supposed to be a movie about grief. Can you imagine the downer that that would have been? Yeah, no, you weren't there for that. But this was originally, he wrote this movie originally just to be about grief. He had no plans to make it horror. And then he thought, well, maybe it'll be a little more entertaining if I make, if I add a horror. And it just evolved into a scary movie for him. And it totally works, obviously. Let's add some wishes. Well, and the best, well, the best horror I feel like always does in some way meter life or works as an allegory for life and this is really a metaphor or an allegory for what it's like to be stuck in a family with mental illness. She mentions her brother was skit was um, schizophrenic. Yeah, that's that scene where she's in the circle, you know, the and the, the circle with the cultists. Yeah, yeah. And she mentions her mom had multiple personality disorder. Um and take away the supernatural elements. This is a life that millions of people live through. For sure. And one of the one of the things, one of the quotes Ari said when making this film is he wanted to show how trauma can permanently change somebody and not necessarily for the better. And again, taking the metaphor and the allegory, like Peter obviously changes, I mean, uh, he changes to a damn demon. Uh, but like that, I mean, I mean, that's the metaphor, but it like, Somebody going through and growing up in that household is not going to walk out unscathed. They might not become King Paimon or whatever, um, but they're... King Paimon. Whatever. Paimon, right? Paimon. Yeah. Paimon. Yeah. Let's pronounce it right so Paimon. it doesn't haunt us. Um, and <laughs> the, uh, but they, they're not going to come out. And I just thought that that tone worked incredibly well for a horror film. Yeah. Uh, because... This this movie finds the hor- the horrendous in the modane. That fight they have at the family when she basically tells him that she blames him for killing Charlie, and he that's says that he scenes. blames her. That's oh, yeah, yeah. that's to me as dark as any of the witches stuff, as you would say, Nick. Like if not darker, um, and hard to see. Oh, yeah. An incredible scene, but hard to sit through. Well, and the scene where she. She tells him that you know she wanted to have a miscarriage, she, and, and she did everything. And she, she like, could and she to just like her happen. hand just keeps covering her mouth, like, like she can't believe the words that are coming out of her mouth yeah. each. Like, this the movie's just fucked, man. It's just a fucked up movie, and it it, it, it's like I'm never, I'm not revisiting it anytime soon. So. <laughs> That's what I said when I walked out of that movie theater. I said this might be. The and best movie the, I've like, ever when, seen. When did you watch it? Was this the first time you'd watched it again, right? Oh yeah, I was afraid to okay. go back. I had this pod had to bring me back. Yeah, <laughs> and, so and the it, pod was, it was every bit. It was every bit as terrifying <laughs> as it was the same with Midsummer, Mark. Until the pod, I couldn't rewatch that movie. I I wanted to so badly, but I needed a re, I needed something same to make me <laughs> like. Same for and me. um, let's get into scenes. We kind of started talking about them. You know, real uh, quick, quick recap ahead. to my friend Kat Babinchak, shout out, who shout loved out. Midsummer. I asked for her notes on this one, and she just really did not like this one, which shocked me. Yeah. She, Midsummer's her favorite movie, and this one, she's like, yeah, I didn't care for it. And she wanted me to add the note that the girl who filmed this, 
was traumatized by it afterwards. Miley Shapiro, somewhat of a regretful role for her. Well, it traumatized us sitting through it for 90 minutes or two hours or whatever. Can you imagine being 32 days, 32 days living this damn thing? Yeah. 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 I got the wife to jump in on this one again. I don't know if she's forgiven me. (laughs) She'll never forgive me, probably. That's two for two for me. Okay, real quick. Which one is more traumatizing, this or Midsummer? This one. Yeah, I agree. This one. Midsummer offers a little bit of hope to me in a weird, fucked up way. And Midsummer, they all knew what they were getting into, right? I mean, well, and then, there's no children victims. And it, I mean, she's part of a fucked up cult, but the uh, I don't know. The main, if I hate the main girl. Kind of gets a happy ending. Yeah, it, like yeah, she finally she finds her does. family. Ain't nobody in this film get a happy ending, but I guess the cult gets a happy ending. <laughs> they get that they have their king finally. Um, the uh, the other the way that Ari pitched this film when he or when he was pitching to get it sold or whatever was he said a a a sacrificial lamb ritual from the lamb's point of view yeah <laughs> which I thought was pretty cool yeah Midsummer um, is definitely just I mean I think it's just because Florence Pugh is so likable favorite scene Nick I have three ooh hit us with one. I love the dinner scene that you talked about. Because it does make sense. They both have reason to blame each other. What was she doing sending her daughter to an almost adult party? Where she had no sense, no know-how of the world or how to socialize just because she was frustrated with her? And the daughter didn't want to go and the son didn't want the daughter to go. Like, what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. But they finally had a talk that we could feel as the audience needed to have for like 20 minutes by that point. Where they're just kind of avoiding each other in the house, and we finally get some truth. And I, I loved it. I love the scene where she goes over to the girl's house that she met at the support meeting, who, as we later learned, is a fellow witch and friend mm-hmm. of her mother. And how much th- that woman duped her, and the manipulation, and the kind of hidden secret there of like, oh, my mom has this, used to make these mats, the same one that you have on your door. There's so much foreshadowing there that I don't think I caught the first time, but the second time I was just so creeped out by it. So did you true. guys did you guys catch the light that flashes every time something spooky or bad happens in the film? Of yeah. course. Like so nice. Such a nice little inside detail. Inside of Peter. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's it's Charlie, right? I mean that's what we're led to believe. Oh, I I I thought I figured it was King Paymon. No, because it was before Charlie. Charlie was still alive. It's the demon. It's the demon trying yeah. to manipulate things to uh, yeah to get its human form. It is the demon. Okay. But uh, oh well. That's I love that we each have a theory. I mean, because nobody's right. Yeah. No. 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 I think I was just reading about it though. Like the something with Charlie. Well, Charlie. Go, Charlie rejoins too. So the grandma raised Charlie from the beginning to basically be this host for. Yeah. King Paimon. And you, but did the you problem read the is the last King... lines of the movie? Well, no, no, no. So Charlie enters him. Charlie enters him too. Yeah. He's okay. full. And if you remember the, her brother that committed suicide because he's in his note, he said it's because his mom kept putting people into him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. fucking Peter now has Charlie in him, his dead sister that he decapitated. Yeah. And King Paimon. And I don't know what the. And I think Peter just is slowly. His light's burning out, unfortunately. Um. Yeah, Peter Toast. Peter's so the toast. multiple, if you think of the grandma and her multiple personality disorder, 
her multiple personality. One was probably whatever demon she was inhabiting. Yeah. Another, another was probably what other person they put inside of her, and then there's probably her own personality. Yeah, yeah. And well, I, there's the last lines of the movie where, with Joan. Joan is like, she says, she says to Charlie, she says, "You're all right now." You're Paimon, one of the eight kings of hell. We have looked to the northwest and called you in. We've collected your first female body and give you now this healthy male host. We reject the trinity and pray devoutly to you, great Paimon. Give us your knowledge of all secret things. Bring us honor, wealth, and good good familiars. Blind all men to our will as we have bound ourselves for now and ever to yours. Hail Paimon. And that's how it ends. So... That's where I was just saying I, I, I was. That's why I thought totally that. But it's well, you're, just you're, a com- it's a combination. So no, it's yeah, it's a combination. Yeah, 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 for sure. That creepy Tin Man though. That was creepy, wasn't why? it? In the treehouse. Na- um, all the random naked people. Ari loves naked people in cult rituals. Let's yeah, see. Really <laughs> of all shapes and sizes. <laughs> he does. There's no. He does not discriminate. He does, no, not, does not body. There's no body shaming on an no, Ari Aster set. No. <laughs> just, anybody, anybody can appear naked in an Ari yeah, Aster film. For sure. There's no, there's no casting process whatsoever. They basically just, you know, I think they just walk down the street. I think they take say, a set hey, person and say, take your clothes, in a movie <laughs> take your clothes off. You're about to be in the movie. <laughs> Can you sign here? Can you imagine putting on your acting resume that you're the naked person in uh, Midsummer well, or yeah. you know, I mean, normally, you, so you're an extra in a your movie. Acting credit. You're an extra in a movie. You're excited to tell all your friends, but then, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Seriously, like, what I mean? I mean, just what if you're just the big guy and that's your first role? Like, are you even telling anyone? Like, no, you don't no, get a like, shot to that. <laughs> No, you don't want to go see... You're going Heredity. Heredity. Right? No, 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 no. I heard that movie's terrible. <laughs> you might want to go see something else. <laughs> I think you're going uncredited. Wait. wait, wait. Oh, my God. <laughs> the only time you see me... I don't have any lines. I'm just naked in a treehouse. <laughs> just staring in the corner? Yeah. We'll go uncredited for this one. You don't have to put me just in the... Just give me the pay. Don't give me the credit. Good attention to detail because they were in the film more. Because if you noticed... All of those cult members, you saw them earlier. You saw them oh, yeah. in the circle at They're the therapy all lurking, session. yeah. And then you also saw them at the funeral. Yeah. And he calls attention to it because she says, a lot of you I've never seen before. For sure. So, which is, God, attention to detail. Mark, best scene. Yeah. Uh, my favorite scene, I, well, I love when, I, I didn't I didn't catch it until the second time. I watched this twice in 72 hour span. <laughs> are you are you doing okay? <laughs> yeah. Well, I needed to rewatch it because uh, of, because just, of what we're doing. It's a lot and, of trauma. Um, when Joan makes contact with Louie, the movie just takes a turn from that point forward. Yep. Okay. Yep. But that whole scene is like a setup. Mm-hmm. So, like, we see her at the art store. Like, we see the chalkboard in her car. Yeah. yeah. It's there. It's a clue for us. But then, like, that whole process, like, takes place. They give you that clue to answer the question you had earlier, Mark, because when she sees him on the playground or she sees him outside at school and she says, Peter, get out, she's trying to cast his soul out to to make room for Charlie and King Pete. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, Joan's just, like, she lays the keys to the castle, basically. Yeah. And 
So I, I really that scene so much. So I really like that, and then it it just delves into uh, you know Tony Collette's character just going down to crazy train, and then when they contact Charlie, and then she starts speaking like Char or you know Charlie's speaking for in her body basically, like she's having her Whoopi Goldberg ghost moment, <laughs> and then uh, I also love Peter in the attic just because. <laughs> When he's like hitting himself in the face, it's just oh like this isn't real. This isn't real, I mean, and he's I... so freaked out when he's watching his mom do what she's doing to her head, and then he just jumps out the window and toast. And you're just like, oh my god! No, he, she wasn't doing it to her head. She was stabbing herself in the neck. Yeah, her neck. I mean, yeah, yeah. to her neck. She was yeah. just slicing her head off. Is what yeah. I meant. But yeah, it's just like you're just like, oh my god! <laughs> it's just, it's so memorable. It, it, you can't. It's. You can't it's unsee just, it. That's oh no, you sure. can't unsee it. And I mean, this is a scary movie, and the, so I'm on board with the scare. So it was, and the whole buildup was just watching her crawl on the ceiling, like I mentioned earlier, just her running, running across, and just pounding her head on that attic door. You're just so creeped out. You're just, and then it just segues into him seeing, looking up, and seeing that. And you're just like, oh my. Did you notice Paymon's symbol? All it's all over, film. right? Yeah, yeah, it's all over. It, the yeah. necklace that um, Tony Collette wears and the grandma wears. Mm-hmm. Um, and they yeah. even foreshadow on the drive before the capitation, on the drive to the party, you drive by that post, and that post has the has his symbol on it. Yeah. Even foreshadowing, okay, um, mm-hmm. this is, you know, bad things are happening. Uh, my favorite scene is the decapitation. That's just... Yeah, I get it for sure. And oh, by the way, how about her husband just randomly catching on fire? Oh, that was a good scene too. I didn't see that coming. That was, that was a great scare curveball. because you're like you're waiting to see what happens to her, and then yeah. you're like, oh fuck. Yeah, and she's like, oh, I think he's like, I think we got to call the police. Like the first real comment, like, the, and then the, the spirits are like, okay, your time to die after that. Nope. <laughs> Wonder if anybody in like. A bad relationship was like watching this movie and like <laughs> this is the one that put them over the top to end it because they're just like oh my god it could get to the yeah. i could burn to death someday yeah gabriel burn gabriel burn looks old in this movie by the way <laughs> he yeah. well he is i mean he's, he's 16 years older than tony collette yeah it, you can see every bit of that 16 years oh uh, yes you can <laughs> um he felt like grandpa in this movie more than husband when we get into uh, what the other work, scene, I have problems with him. I, right. I have a couple too. Um, one more thing on scenes, I just want to mention a quick one. Um, I love the scene when she's painting her uh, little diorama thing, miniature, of the car accident, and the dad comes up and says, "What? What if he would see this?" And she's like, "What?" It's a perfectly neutral view of the accident. <laughs> yeah, she's so fucked, right? Like, I mean, just that's part of her grieving process. Favorite quotes. Um, I'll start. We mentioned it was mentioned earlier by you, Mark, but I never wanted to be your mother. Why? I was scared. I didn't feel like a mother, but she pressured me. Then why did you have me? It wasn't my fault. I tried to stop it. <laughs> How? I tried to have a miscarriage. Oh my god. I can't imagine. What the fuck? That's so fucked, man. That didn't actually happen though. That was in her dream. No. No, I think it was. Because remember that it was. she dreamed. That was she all woke part up. of the dream? Yeah. 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 Okay. 
Oh, How? However I could. I did everything they told me not to do. But it didn't work. I'm happy it didn't work. She played that scene perfectly. Oh, yeah. It was great acting. Nick, you got anything? Me? Yeah. I have her line. I just love... I mean, I'm not going to give her a whole speech, but I have part of it where she says... At the dinner table where she loses her shit on Peter and she says, don't you swear at me, you little shit. Don't you ever raise your voice at me. I'm your mother, you understand? All I do is worry and slave and defend you and all I get back is that fucking face on your face. (laughs) (laughs) I just love that moment where she just goes off the deep end. Like, she needs it. Like, that's realistic. Like, that's that's a legit scene. Like, going back to that whole grieving process, you could tell that that was yeah. a part of the grieving script, not part of the scary script. Oh, for sure. You could t- That was brought by the, the principal scene. I had one more that I just think was just brilliant. The very first lines of this movie, the dad says, Come on, Peter. Wake up. Mm. I don't remember. Kind of a, mm-hmm. like, what's to come? Uh, and I also thought they did a great job. It's a very horror movie trope to um, have those scenes with the, Eng- with the English class, and it obviously relates to the character in the film. But the very first one where they're talking about the Greek tragedy, and he, he talks about the real tragedy is that he can't control his fate, and no matter how hard the character tries, he can't stop what's about to happen to him. Definitely yeah. foreshadowing. And... The really cool thing about that, 18 minutes into the movie, is it is an homage to the original Halloween, which 18 minutes into the original Halloween, they discuss the exact same Greek play in class. That's right. About the exact same thing. Full full nerding out moment on the podcast here. I love it. Um, Thought you guys would like that. Um, Any more quotes, anybody? I like Charlie. She's going to take care of me when you die. The little girl's adorable, which made losing her even harder. Well, she's back at the end. <laughs> in, a, in a nice male host. <laughs> oh, Apparently man. they need a, a male host. That was a good line, too. Well, Grandma wanted me to be a boy. Yep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nico, I'll let you go first. You're excited. What didn't work for you? I mean, he's a good actor, so I didn't mind his acting, but I feel like the only part I liked out of him was when he tried to call out his wife for being crazy, and all he needs to care about is their son, because he's like, he's come to the conclusion that his wife's like gone off the deep end. He's got a son to protect. And he's got a son to protect. So that scene I really did buy, so I don't hate Gabriel Byrne, but... I hate the fact that he's so much older than Tony Collette, and it just showed for me. I think anybody could have played him and kind of... I'm with you on that, for sure. I had no problem with the performances, but I actually thought both Peter and the dad were very underwritten characters. Um, I thought Tom Wolfe's performance is incredible, but I really would have liked... Alex Wolfe. Alex Wolfe, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Peter, there you go, Alex Wolfe. But I really would have liked to have heard or seen what he was feeling while all this was happening to him like i never got that male host i never got that scene i never got that scene about like how he felt about like what happened to us i mean we see a lot of acting and a lot of not but like 
or how he feels about you get a little bit of it in that scene you talked about at the dinner table but i i would have i would have liked to have gotten a little more into the character of the lamb um and i think it would have made what happened at the end that much more devastating even kind of checked out a little bit right like he just did drugs and didn't talk right. a lot he just kind of crush on I a mean, girl yeah there wasn't too much depth to him that's my no, point yeah for sure and that's not the actor's but I fault. But I think I just it was intentional. Was I think it was intentional because he was just the male host. Mm-hmm. So that was, and then it was. It does say that it goes after the weakest. The demon goes after the weakest person. So if he's just kind of a druggy kid. And then that, once the demon was in there, that's when he had the reaction to the weed. Like, oh, and the demon was like, no, you, this is not good for me. <laughs> <You can't smoke." laughs> oh, I you, totally missed that. That's yeah, what that was all about. Yeah, that's what I oh, think. Yeah. That's my theory. Yeah. I, I, I thought the I thought that that uh, the demon didn't like bunk weed. Yeah. <laughs> what is this? What is this shit you're smoking, kid? <laughs> reaction to him just I'm a kid. No, because he had been kid. smoking weed. Fine. So that was the uh, that was my take on it. And then uh, <clears throat> he. You know, it was him fight. He knew something was in him, and that's why he tried to fight it. And, you know, he smashes his face on the desk. That's that shit's still brutal. And he just tries to just crush it. That's yeah, that's gnarly. Um, that was my take on that too. I, was that your take? That no, he, I, have no I, I agree. That he knew something was. Is that your take, Jeff? That yeah, he yeah. Knew something he was trying was to get him out. Over, he was trying he was to just yeah, like, like right. Fuck it. I'm gonna like. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, and, it was and you know it was, it was Will trying to get rid of the smoke monster. That was him fighting Stranger Things, right? Right. <laughs> that was him fighting the the demon, you know. And at the end, he just kind of you know kind of says, "Fuck it, this is fucked. I I'm just gonna give up. I go wherever. I don't know where Peter's soul eventually goes, but I don't think it's in the body anymore." Yeah, for my notes on what didn't work, I just put I was still processing the weirdness because it, it's so fresh for me. But there wasn't anything that stood out. Is there anything else that you hated besides Gabriel Byrne? I didn't like how it felt like two movies a little bit. Like okay. We talked about. Yeah, I hated about the ending the first time I saw it. I do too. But I, I liked it. I don't know that I love, love it, but I liked it a lot better the second time. Because I saw a lot of the clues and a lot of the build up. And I, build up yeah. and I think I just accepted it more. But the first That's time exactly I thought I this felt. was a wonderful film about depression, mental illness, and darkness that kind of went with some cheating horror tropes at the end. I didn't bother me as much this time because... So here's my question. It you guys down saw this me. movie... You guys both saw this movie before you saw Midsummer. Correct. Midsummer. I'm the opposite. So I think I was prepared for... Yeah. <laughs> I think I was prepared for this. Agreed. Be- yeah. And so the end, I was just like... I was just totally on board with it yeah. because of what happens in Midsummer. Because <laughs> we saw this and we, we, we thought... They're going to play by typical rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Where I'm sitting here like totally like, oh yeah. Nothing, which is, yeah, which totally is why I think it. my second watching, I like liked it so much better. Because yeah, I just like, exactly I, I'm just Ari Oster being, it's just Ari being Ari. Like, yeah. and I'm okay, I'm okay with it then. Oh, but the first time the third, was, fourth, fourteenth film, we'll all be ready for him, you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's Anything when he's going to throw us a... That's what I mean, he's the good news is he doesn't have, you know, he we 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 all have read that he has these ten projects that he created. This is two of the ten, yeah. but it, but we, we all know that they're not all scary movies. So it's but this be one didn't start out scary where, either. Exactly, yeah, it'll be interested to see if he can stay away from. Exactly, if he can stay no, away from it, more. If the next one's scary too, I'm just gonna be like, hmm, <laughs> right. <laughs> 
<laughs> like he might be addicted to uh, the punishment <coughs> that he, uh, the torture that he inflicts on us. Um, yep. Career corner. Tony uh, Collette, right? Little Tony Collette, yeah. Uh, so, so here's my question. I, outside of the Sixth Sense and Hereditary, what else do either of you guys even know her from? She's what was been that? Movies for twenty years. I know. I guess the show where she movies, plays but... a crazy person as well. United States of Terror. Oh, yeah. Never saw it. Yeah, she played multiple. That. She basically plays a character she with multiple Tara. personalities. Yeah. She and Tara for three seasons. It convinced. I watched. I thought a lot about that show when I watched this movie because I was just like, Tony Collette knows how to play fucking crazy. So she's been in movies, yeah, forever. Uh, she came on the scene in '90, but I, I obviously we know her from Sixth Sense, and then I know her from this movie, and then I know her from Little Miss Sunshine, and I really couldn't think of anything else that she had been in. I, I, so while I'm watching this, I'm like, where the else way do way I know back, Tony which is movie I love. She's in that. But she, she, I mean, she's been making movies for you know. 30 years now she's got 86 credits she's done a bunch of stuff on tv i just nothing's just been that memorable for me i guess mm-hmm. that's why i was like that's why I, when i read it and i saw she had so many credits and i couldn't think of five i was disappointed in myself but then i started reading them all and i'm like god i don't really remember her from shaft any of these. shaft didn't she, immediately she come was... to your mind <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Muriel's Wedding. I was yeah. like, wow, yeah, I've seen Muriel's Wedding. I don't remember I've, her, The funny thing about her credits is I've actually seen a lot of these movies. I just don't yeah. necessarily associate them with, uh, with her. And no, I really right. think of her as Sixth Sense and this. And this movie. I mean, and, and, but only this because now I've seen it. So before that, I really only thought of her as the Sixth Sense and, and uh, Little Miss Sunshine. Right. But a lot of people haven't even seen Little Miss Sunshine. Well... An interesting thing that Jeff brought up earlier was she actually, I confused her with the actress from I, Tonya a lot. I don't even know who that is, but that lady got nominated for an Oscar. And when Jeff said she didn't get nominated for an Oscar, I thought that was interesting because I always... Which I think it's robbery. I think she's, she pulls all of the Margot Oscar Robbie? in this movie. Margot Robbie? No, no, the mom. Okay. Um, the, we're the mom. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, Allison Janney. Allison yeah. Janney. Yeah. She looks a lot yeah. like Allison Janney. Who did they do? They look like each other. Oscar. Yeah, she does. Right. Is this her best performance, Mark, in your opinion, then? Uh, yes, for sure. Oh, mm-hmm. hands down. I because, I mean, Sixth Sense, there's other characters that steal the show in that movie. But same with, same credit, with The Sixth Sense and this were 20 years apart. For, she's done almost 90 things. She hates, I'll, her famous quote from this movie is she is actually not a fan of the horror genre. So mm-hmm. it took oh, her yeah. some convincing to be in this. The script. And then they asked. Just, the, the interviewer asked her, said, but you were in Krampus. And she said, that's not horror, that's comedy. Yeah, that's right. Um, we're ready for a little metal podium? Yeah, mm-hmm. metals. What do we got? What do we got? You go, Jeff. All right. Bronze. Throw you guys a little bit here. I'm going Colin Stetson. Ooh, the okay, uh, like score is fucking incredible in this movie, and it, oh, it makes the movie. And I, I just couldn't leave him off the stand. It is a character... It's present in every scene. And you talked about nails on a chalkboard. It contributes to that ser- that feeling of just anxiety and dread that watching this damn movie puts you through. Yeah, um, just that thump, that constant thump. And then when the yes. thump stops, you're just like, oh, God. Oh, God. What about Something's the... Uh... About to happen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, That's good. You're doing a good... You, you did a good... <laughs> That's pretty good. I, maybe Charlie's in me a little bit. 
Me too. Me too. Uh, Silver, Tony Collette. Um, what more can we say about her? She, she yeah, hits, just, yeah, she's she hits a home run in this fucking movie. For sure. Uh, gold goes to Ari. His fingerprints on everything. Uh, I know I mentioned this when we talked about Midsommar, but he might be the best working director, maybe the best director I've ever seen as far as Miz on Sand goes. Every single thing in the frame is intentional. And you can literally pause this movie at different moments and find things put in there that like you wouldn't catch the first time. Uh, just his intention, his attention to detail and his intentional directing is just at such an incredible level. And I am so excited. There was 10 in a drawer, he said, and I'm so excited to get to see yeah. the yeah. other eight. I mean, and he basically became obsessed slowly but surely with these projects because originally he just wrote them and then he had no intentions of directing and then he decided, no, I think I'm going to direct them. And then you see how much he had to do with shooting and the music and <laughs> like yeah. everything else that goes into these movies being made. And you're just like, oh, okay, you're just obsessed and don't want anyone else to touch your babies. <laughs> that's that's passion. It's, it's, it's art. I love it. That's no, why it comes like, out. I, I mean, I'm comes, all in. Yeah. That's like, why it comes yeah, out okay so with it. perfectly. In the yeah, wrong I, hands, these movies would be awful. Like these are tough. Like... He makes, we're literally talking about how much we love a movie that made us nothing yeah. but uncomfortable and that we might not want to see again. <laughs> like, For sure. That For is sure. a hard trick to pull off. So what, my medals, yeah, they're okay. almost the same as yours, but I gave an honorable mention to Ann Dowd, who played Joan. I thought she was a really important oh, character. That's good. Uh, but Speaking I gave of my a bronze. great, she is, that late, that, I mean, that's a total like that guy or whatever. She is good in everything she's in. Yeah, for sure. For sure, and you could just tell that, like you said, I mean, he makes, he brings out the best in anyone that works on his movies, he does. Uh, and true. that's why he's also my gold medal. But uh, bronze goes to Alex Wolf, who played Peter. I thought he did the most with what he had. We mentioned that he was just so underdeveloped, but I thought he was great. And then silver was Tony Collette, the same as yours. He, she, she's, she crushed it, home run, and gold. Yeah, did go to Ari Aster. This is. This is his movie, and it's got his fingerprints everywhere, like you said. So, <laughs> it's definitely uh, it, it's definitely memorable. So, he gets the gold. What about you, Nico? Who you medal to? I'm going to go the same as Jeff, which is very rare in life and on the pod. <laughs> but I, I don't even think Tony Collette would be on the medal stand if it wasn't for the scene in therapy. That's the scene she has to carry by herself. She's basically talking to herself yeah. well, no, in front of 12 strangers where... That was incredible acting, and that lifted her to silver status. But I love your honorable mention too, so I'm on board with those too. Yeah, I for sure. I I think we were all pretty much in agreement with golds and silvers. And just a quick note: Charlie was on my list originally, but after hearing Jeff talk about Stetson, I was like, "Oh fuck yeah!" See, how can you leave that guy? And I'm over here like I don't even know what Stetson did because Ari might have done everything you said. He might have. He might have just given it good. It's not Go compose this. <laughs> well, it's pretty late. You got any ponderings this week, Jeff? You got any? It's, it's, it's about do. that time for some midnight ponderings. Uh, I got my first one is, 
Why the fuck does Charlie never have EpiPens? Yeah, yeah, I got that in my notes. <laughs> Were they trying to kill that kid from the beginning? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, why doesn't... I mean, if she's that uh, if she's that allergic, I'm pretty sure she's rocking an EpiPen. Mom remembers to send the uh, da- sends the daughter that doesn't want to go to a party to an age-inappropriate party, but she does not remember to send her <laughs> with uh, EpiPens. Speaking of that party... How about the, the hot girl that's just chopping meat in the kitchen? What's that all about? Like, <laughs> I didn't notice it. We're at a high school party, and there's just like one of the girls there is like making tacos for everybody or something. Maybe like, she was a member of the cult. Are we sure they were tacos? <laughs> this is true. Good point. Good point. And then what's with the cake? Why is there just this random cake? Because I've a lot party. of parties. Is it a birthday cake. party? Do we it's know? A barbecue. I don't know. And does the kid know. not know that they're that? That she's allergic to nuts? All I know is when I went to high school parties, there was never a big fancy cake and somebody chopping chicken that was the host. I'm pretty sure you'd stop eating the cake if you knew you were allergic to nuts the first time you came to a nut. But Nick, you had a pondering about, uh, uh, I'm not going to steal it, about Peter's friends, I know. (laughs) Does Peter not have shitty friends? All they do is smoke weed with him. His sister dies. They don't even acknowledge it, send flowers, visit his house. his it's crush, like we'll see you when you're back on the weed train. His crush had a very horrified look when he was uh, pounding his face on the uh, desk. Nico, what did we miss? The coolest one I have is that Ari Aster wanted to go for scares that were emotionally justified rather than solely leaning on the traditional yep. horror jump scares, which is like Halloween, like you mentioned. And w- that really surprised me after what you said about him being obsessed with the horror genre. It's like he spent a whole child in watching how it's normally done and wanted to do it differently. <laughs> Make it so. better, you know? Um, I had a cool note um, that Ari Aster, the Alex Wolf, and then um, Miley Shapiro, who played the Charlie, um, he had them go out to eat, um, and but in character. And Miley basically wasn't allowed to speak for three hours, and it was Alex's job to try to get her to talk. And he gave him that like assignment to like put him in character. I like that. And those two work so well together. Even at the party, he didn't totally ditch his sister. He was looking out for her the whole time. He just asked for two minutes to go get on. Just wanted to get uh, get a little action. Yeah, but he was looking out for. He didn't. He wasn't an irresponsible brother. No, minus the weed smoke. He raced her to the hospital. Like yeah, and. Oh, yeah, he was he was topping out at eight. If it wasn't for that goddamn animal on the road, none of this would have happened. It's also it's also the mom's fault again. And the Who the fuck t- we needed the epipen. It's the I mom's know. job to teach the damn kid to wear a fucking seatbelt. I know, I yeah. know. Hey, notice you know how we were talking about Peter's shitty friends. Did you notice that one of those shitty friends was like a secret cultist and was around <laughs> I did not in, that. in the treehouse? <laughs> I didn't know. With the guy with the man bun. He's <laughs> the the man the guy with the man bun and the under the bleachers. He's one of the ones bowing down in the treehouses at secret the end. Secret Oh yeah. Secret cultist. Just watching, just watching Peter transform. I think you're going to like this note. Ari Aster regularly listened to composer Colin Stetson's earlier music while he was writing this script. Yeah, that's nutty, right? You said it too. Uh, yeah, but I mean, I, I just... I, all, just his obsessiveness. He's the guy's just nuts. He's crazy He's obsessed. That is preparation. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's that—that's what it takes to make movies. I get it. So like, kudos for him. He's on the right path because he's two for two, like we said. And Colin Stetson worked sixteen-hour days in order to complete the uh, soundtrack on time, the score on time. Mm-hmm. The producer said it worked out well that Gabriel Byrne and Alex Wolf had worked together previously. 
and Alex and Mili Shapiro knew each other from school. They went to the same school. Because it made Tony Collette feel like the outsider, which mirrored yeah. Annie's character, the feelings of alienation within her own family. Ari described it, the film as ordinary people and the ice storm meets Rosemary's Baby. So uh, I just had the, the recap of the clues for Peter as to why Peter's the one of the desired host. He's, he's the one who accidentally kills Charlie, and then Annie expresses constant fear and anger towards Peter to the point where he asks Annie why she's afraid of him. And finally, because Joan yells at Peter, like you mentioned, across the schoolyard, saying, I expel you and get out, hoping to bring Paymon in. That's like the trio like of clues, basically, just laying that foundation. And then did you see the smiling man from the grandmother's funeral? Mm-mm. She's seen in the dark doorway towards the end of the movie. Like, there's just all these little creepers, like Jeff said. They're all through, like, lying throughout. Is that what made you think of the movie Strangers when you mentioned that in text, Jeff? More, no, I just, I remembered how much Jen hated that movie. I, like, yeah. And I, I was trying to gauge the scariness level. It's a pretty scary, okay. this is actually a decently scary movie, but it's not as, I, I... Nails on a chalkboard, dread, and then last 30 minutes, it's just like, whoa. Bonkers. Yeah. For sure. With a decapitation shock moment thrown in the middle. But uh, anything Final else we thoughts. missed, Nico? Oh, yeah, anything no. else we missed? No. Final thoughts, Jeff? Oh, man. I just, this was a treat. Um, I love talking movies with you guys and movies with the level of depth and intelligence as this one. It's just a treat to really get to discuss it with you guys. And I cannot wait tell the uh, next Ari Aster movie and I can get a text from Mark saying god damn it Han yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it maybe maybe we'll get to, maybe we'll go see the next one together and you can you can tell me on the way point. walking out of the theater yeah that's well, true on that note I don't think you'll ever get that text again for my final thoughts because until the next Ari Aster comes along we'll be prepared and that's what makes this movie special that's what makes watching this one special I thought that all day like Man, you only get it once, you know? That's, good That's true. That's a good way of putting it. I was semi-prepared for Midsummer, but I'll be ready next time, and it just won't be as terrifying, which makes me appreciate this movie, even though I didn't enjoy any of it. It's special for that reason alone. I like it. Good wrap-up, Nico. Yeah. Uh, I had in my final notes here, Ari Aster is just someone to watch for many years to come, and his commitment to his projects is just incredible, and I can't wait to see what's next. But go do a double feature of Hereditary and Midsummer, and then see a therapist after, but probably not <laughs> Gabriel Byrne, because I didn't even know he was one. But on behalf of Jeff, Nick, and myself, thanks for listening to another edition of Movie Tales, everybody. We'll see you again. Take care.